This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And so Jacob is seeing this scene in verse 14, and Jacob in in Genesis 49.10 saying, okay, 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 I'll tell you what I'm seeing. Just listen carefully. And Jacob says, I see a scene of Shiloh Jesus and a great multitude gathering around him. And this is what Jacob means in Genesis 49.10. He says, Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. So Jacob's eyes are open. He sees Shiloh Jesus. Jacob sees Shiloh Jesus, and today, 33 Bible school students in in a 12-week summer blitz are pounding the pavement in six Jewish communities, putting in collectively 15,840 man hours, and they're asking one question. They're asking one question. In Genesis 49.10, Jacob, Shiloh, Jesus. So why can't the descendants of Jacob see Shiloh, Jesus also? And those 33 students are lifting up their hearts in prayer to God, and that answer, why can't they see, God answers that question in Romans 11.8. In Romans 11.8, where it says, in Romans 11.8, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear unto this day. But that doesn't stop the students, why? because those 33 students are warriors of faith. They press on to pound more and more concrete, going from door of rejection to door of rejection, because by faith they know and believe a verse less than 20 verses later in Romans 11.25, Romans 11.25, where it says, blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer who shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. So today, 
Israel suffers from a blindness where they cannot see Shiloh Jesus, they cannot see who Jacob saw, Shiloh Jesus, but it's only a blindness in part, and so comes Ezra, not from the book of Ezra, but Ezra today. And he's saved by the gospel message, and Ezra sees who Jacob saw. Ezra sees Shiloh Jesus. Now, the Lord's multitudes are following him, they're around him, and he sees the multitude, the Lord does, and he's moved with compassion. It moves him. Why? Because of Isaiah 63.9. Isaiah 63.9 says, in all their affliction, he was afflicted. So the Lord in verse 13 now, he hears of John the Baptist, the murder of John the Baptist. He's moving to the desert to get his disciples alone, to give them as their shepherd a refuge, a shadow of wings, a hiding place to protect them from the fear and the terror that's gripped them. And as he's going there with the disciples, he sees in verse 14 this great multitude. He's moved with compassion. And when he sees them, this multitude, because remember now, he's on a mission to protect his disciples, get away with them. He doesn't say to the multitude, not you again. I already had compassion on the crowd. I already healed your sick. He does not say, not again, with the crowd and the sick. He has compassion again. Again, this is the whole point. It's again. Because the Lamentations 3.22 says, it's of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. The gas tank meter on the Lord's compassion never runs out. The compassions fail not. Like the hymn says, his love has no limit, his grace has no measure, his power has no boundary known unto man, for out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. And so here he is, giving and giving and giving again, and he doesn't stop giving but he does stop in his tracks with this multitude and he heals their sick. He's going on a mission, he's with his disciples, be alone, and he's been interrupted. The multitude, the sight of the multitude, it interrupts his plan. The sight of them has disturbed his goal of getting to the desert alone with his disciples and as he heals their sick, he's not resenting the interruption, he actually is welcoming the interruption. It's an amazing thing, that's not us, we don't do that. We get interrupted, we get perturbed, angry, and we're not happy, right? But not him, he's welcoming the interruption, he's basically saying, interrupt me, please interrupt me. I'm there for you, I always have time for you. Bring me your sick, bring me your broken hearts. I have all the time for you. That's the spirit of God, that's the spirit, that's the attitude of the Lord. And to be sure, this was an interruption to the Lord. We don't like to be interrupted. It's different for Christ, different. Why? Because of Romans 15.3. Romans 15.3 says, even Christ pleased not himself. We interrupt the Lord. We come to the Lord day and night with our problems. We wonder, does Jesus have time? Does he mind being interrupted? Verse 14 is our answer. The answer is time for you. I always have time for you. I'm there for you all the time. All I ask you to do, one thing, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Just come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Just take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. I'm meek and lowly in heart. You'll find rest to your souls. So from verse 14, we see the Lord say, come to me, in essence. Now, come now, come anytime. Just come to me. I'm there for you all the time, anytime. Just come. And they did come. 
They came as a big multitude, and you would have thought, you would have maybe thought that the people might have thought something like, wow, John the Baptist has just been murdered. A prominent follower of Christ who said, John the Baptist said in John 3.30, John 3.30, he must increase, and he's been beheaded. Not a pretty murder, he's been beheaded. And you would have thought the people might have said to themselves, boy, with the beheading of John the Baptist, it's dangerous to be seen in public following Jesus. Maybe we shouldn't go. But that's not what happened. That's not what happened. With the persecution, the beginning of the persecution, the death of John the Baptist, the multitudes just grew. And so they thought in communist China that with the persecution of the believers that the church would die. No, it just got bigger. And so it would have thought that with the blood of John the Baptist that the church would shrink. No, it just got bigger. Why? Because the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. It's the seed of the church. So the multitudes are coming. The disciples see all these people and they say, we see a problem. This is a problem. I mean, it's, the Lord saw the multitudes. He saw something totally. How could the disciples be so out of sync with the Lord? I mean, the Lord looks at all the people and he sees an opportunity to help. The disciples look at all the people and they see a problem. Now, that's a lesson for us in life because the challenge is when we see what we see as a problem in life, that how do we see what the Lord sees? It's an opportunity in life. Our problem is that we get so mad with the problem we don't want to see how it's an opportunity. We don't want to see that. Anyway, so the disciples don't see an opportunity. They see a big problem. They come and they ask the Lord to, please, Lord, see the same problem we do and do something in verse 15. Verse 15, when it was evening, the disciples came to him saying, this is a desert place. The time is now past. Send the multitude away. They may go into the village and buy themselves victuals. So, Clearly, the disciples are not on the same compassion page toward the multitude that the Lord was. They, didn't, they, they, they saw the multitude as annoying, as intruding, interrupting, disturbing their time with the Lord, very bothersome to them. And we can feel how frustrating the disciples must have felt as they said to themselves, you know, we're in need of some good, quiet time, good quality time with the Lord Jesus. And it was such a relief for them when they heard this news about John the Baptist that the Lord said, okay, come on, guys, let's go. Let's get in the boat. Let's, we're going to go over here. We're going to be alone. It's just going to be you and me together, and we're going to go over this desert place. It was so nice. I mean, you know, and then they go over there, and there's no multitudes in the boat just alone. They're thinking to themselves, why don't we just stay out in the middle of the sea, you know, with all the Lord? And so they land, you know, and uh, but their villages around, word spreads quickly. I mean, word spreads among the villages there. Hey, Jesus is here. Yeah, he's the one who's this new teaching. He's the one who healed all sorts of diseases, all kinds of deformities, even on the Sabbath. Come on, let's go to Jesus. Let's bring all our sick, all our sick. Now's our chance for the healing for our sick. And so the disciples, they see this great entourage coming from every direction, and they see these people that are coming to spoil their party. 
And so for the disciples, it's horrible. It's a horrible sight, all these people. The disciples, we look at these people, they say, oh, no, what a disaster. Look at all these people. There goes our time with Jesus out the window. These people are swarming like locusts around Jesus. And now we can imagine how the disciples didn't really want to make their true feelings known about the, their attitude toward all the people, so they just tolerate they tolerate all the people with the spirit of, okay, we're supposed to be ministers, so we'll do our minister routine, but there's a limit to all this. And the disciples tolerate until they reach their limit. And they reach their limit of toleration in verse 15. In verse 15, when they said, this is a desert place and the time has now passed. In other words, they were saying to the Lord that the place and the time is right to stop all these ministering to the people. It's just like it's like the Pharisees had said to the Lord when they said, uh, the time is not the Sabbath. Come on other days other than the Sabbath for your healing. Don't come on the Sabbath. And so that's what happened. Okay, we've reached the place we were trying to get to, the desert place. Here we are. And uh, it's time to, for them to eat. Send them away. Perfect, thought the disciples. The people need to eat now. There's no food out here, so Jesus can just send them away and they'll leave us and Jesus alone with us. And the disciples thinking, okay, you know, we'll be kind and we'll think about how hungry the people are and how much we don't want to keep them away from dinner. So out of really, it's out of consideration of the people. We should just send them away so they get their dinner. See, that was the plan of the disciples. It was really to get rid of the people. And they thought, oh, this is foolproof. Nothing can go wrong. We're thinking the people's best interests. When we're sending them away, people need to eat. We're only thinking about them. What could possibly go wrong with our plan to get rid of the people and be alone with the Lord? And then the Lord replies to them in verse 16. Verse 16, Jesus says, they need not depart. Give you them to eat. They go, oh, what could go wrong? It just went wrong. <laughs> they heard the Lord say, they need not depart. What? What do you mean they need not depart? What do you mean they need not depart? They need to eat. They need to eat, so depart. They should go buy food. And when they heard the Lord say that, they need not depart, they were disappointed. They thought, no, they need to depart. There's no food here. They need to depart already. And the Lord said, no, they need not depart. You know, when we spend time with Christ, sometimes we think, we need to leave. We need to leave. I got to go. It reminds me of the time in Lakeside when we lived with the goats. And one day we got this beautiful load of the most beautiful hay that El Central Valley produces. It's called first cuttings. First cuttings, you know, they cut down a field down there in El Centro Valley, and then the first little hay comes up there, first sprouts. And to get the whole thing, get the field synced in sync, they cut all that. They sell it as first cuttings. Beautiful stuff. And we just got a tractor. We just got a double trailer load. 580 bales of first cutting for our goats. And, um, and that's beautiful for the goats because there's no sharp stems in it. You take your hand, we used to go to El Centro and we'd evaluate hay. I'm an expert on hay, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and I would take my hand and I say, okay, it's like a goat's mouth and I would grab the hay. And if it's stick, you know, got those stems that stuck in you, that's no good. I know the goats are going to waste half of it. They're going to strip it. And anyway, but when you take first cuttings and you grab that hay, nothing sticks in you. It all crushes. Oh, it's a beautiful smell. You smell your hand. Oh, it's a wonderful smell. Fresh alfalfa hay. First cuttings. 580 bales, like gold, you know, and uh, 
it was kind of raining that day. So we got this, the bales all stacked up 20 feet tall, huge stacks and big tarps over them to protect from the rain. You know, when bales of hay get wet, they're ruined because they start to ferment. They can even catch on fire. They start to smoke. Dare not feed that to an animal because you'll give that animal bloat and he'll die. And we've done that too. <laughs> and when that happens, you know, Farmer Tom has to go out there with this large spike and, you know, the belly gets out there and you spike them, you know, and right into their stomach, this tube, and it's horrible stuff sprays all over you. It's a very unpleasant experience for the goat and you. Anyway, so it was a rainy morning when we got all that, and Larry Rust was my neighbor, and, and he was very, very, well, he didn't appreciate that we had 300 goats next to him and these big stacks of hay right on the border of his property. So, you know, and he had a nice Japanese garden next there. And so I got up one morning to spend time alone with God, and I looked over and I saw that this, well, there's one thing about the first cuttings that you have to also know is that, yeah, it's wonderful and beautiful for goat and it's soft, but doesn't stack well because the lack of those firm stems also means those bales kind of crush over, you know. And so I looked over and I saw the first stack of first cuttings had fallen over on Larry's property. And immediately I felt the urge to rush over, start grabbing bales of hay, clean it off of Larry's property before he gets up. But then I felt another urge. And that urge was go ahead and spend your quiet time with Christ. It was as if I heard verse 16, you need not depart. You need not depart. It was like I was Mary and, and Martha was there and was ordering me, you know, go over there and clean up Larry's property. Luke 10, 38, Luke 10, 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost not thou care that my sister hath left me alone to serve? Bitter therefore that she helped me. Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Martha was telling the Lord that Mary needed to depart from Jesus' feet hearing his word, and she needed to come out and help with all the work in the kitchen and everywhere Martha was doing. It seemed fair, it seemed right for Martha, what she was saying about the Lord telling Mary to just tell her to depart, but the Lord's response was essentially, Mary need not depart. And that morning I felt the strong call and I felt this, you need to depart and clean up those fallen bales of hay on Larry's property. And when it was like the Lord was saying, no, you need not depart. And so it was a real struggle for me. I gotta tell you, it was real struggle for me, but I chose to leave those bales in the rain on Larry's property and spend time with Christ instead. And then, sure enough, Larry comes walking up the driveway. And I thought, okay, here it comes. He's gonna be really mad, because he has been in the past. And I'm really gonna get it from Larry. But to my total surprise, Larry comes in the garage where I was, and instead of anger, Larry says, Tom, I'm real sorry about all the hay you lost today in the rain when it got wet. I know it was real expensive for you, and I just came up to tell you how sorry I am for you. And he left, and I couldn't believe it. And I thought, wow, God touched Larry's heart. And he gave him a compassionate heart. He felt my loss because he knew what happens when the hay gets wet and how it's ruined. 
And that was God saying to me, you need not depart. I'll take care of your need for Larry so he won't be mad. You just stay right where you are. You've chosen that good part. It won't be taken away from you. Just like you said to Mary, when he said in Luke 10, 42, Luke 10, 42, one thing is needful. Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken from her. And that's just what the Lord was saying about the multitude here in verse 16 when Jesus said, they need not depart, give you them to eat. So in essence, the, the Lord had told the disciples that, that the multitude had chosen the good part, which was to stay with Jesus. And then Jesus turned to the multitude, to the disciples rather, and he asked them, give them food. Give them food. And they look at the number of the people, and we know what the number was from verses 20 and 21. Verse 20 and 21, they did all eat, were filled, took up the fragments, remained 12 baskets, and they that had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. That means there was 5,000 men with an unknown number of women and children, and families had a lot of children, so it's at least 15,000 people that are there and the capacity of San Diego Sports Arena is 16,000. Just imagine San Diego Sports Arena, and it's packed with people, and you are a group of 12, and you brought no food, and you're looking at the sports arena that's packed with people, and you hear the command, feed all the people with hamburgers. I ate a hamburger last night, so it's fresh on my mind. <laughs> Wasn't a big hamburger, just a normal ham, simple hamburger, about a quarter pound with the bun, that's all. No tomato, no onion, just the burger and the bun. So it's fresh on my Okay, so <laughs> actually I ate two hamburgers last night oh, like that. Wasn't enough. So you begin to calculate 16,000 hamburgers. Let's see now, let's see. I'd use boxes, that's what I use, a box. Two foot by two foot, one foot tall because you don't want to smash the hamburgers. So you got about that time. Boxes, okay. So let's see now. So you know you do that. So how many boxes of hamburgers would I need to, for everyone to have just one hamburger? Well, let's see now. My hamburger is about four inches diameter. So let's see. You can get six one direction of the box, six the other. Thirty-six hamburgers per layer. And let's say each hamburger is about three inches tall. No, you know, let's make those boxes six inches because you don't want to smash the hamburgers, you know. So 72 hamburgers per box. Okay. So 16,000 hamburgers. We need 469 boxes. And we want to have some left over and we don't want to be stingy. People are going to be like me. They're going to eat two hamburgers, but most won't because they're going to look like a pig. So anyway, so let's just say the number is 800 boxes. 800 boxes. A typical... Ford F-150 truck bed, you can get eight of those two by two by one, two by two, anyway, boxes in there. And let's just say you're only going to go two layers. You don't want to smash things, you know. You don't For those 800 boxes, you're going to need 50 F-150 Ford pickup trucks full of hamburgers. You got them lined up there. So now you're picturing you need 50 pickups full of hamburgers to feed all those people, and a donkey cart's only about half the size F-154. So, so you need about 100 donkey carts full of hamburgers to feed all those people. 100 donkey carts. You can imagine how the, the disciples look at those thousands of people, and they look at each other and say, we're supposed to give them to eat? Is he not aware that we didn't come with 100 donkey carts full of hamburgers or food? And he says that we're supposed to give them to eat. 
from where are we supposed to get all that food? Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.